Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to be talking about Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. We'll also be touching on the good, the bad, and the ugly of Super Bowl commercials, one of our favorite pastimes. Uh, we'll also touch on a bit of entertainment news, including some news about an extended cut of Uncut Gems, and a bit of Kyle's personal experience with one of our favorite stream, with one of our favorite games, Counter Strike Global Offensive. Uh, but before we get into that, what have we what have we missed over the past week? So we've had a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. one of the crazier halftime shows, I think, in our lifetimes. Um, yeah, a lot of buzz around yeah. that. Yeah. So what was your your Super Bowl watching situation like? So I watched the Super Bowl um, in a bar. Very American of me, I think. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I was in um, – I had the pleasure of going to New York City this past weekend. So any listeners from New York, um, thanks for your hospitality. I was at a bar called The Hair of the Dog. Um, Great name. Yeah, it was cool. I think on Sundays they have, like, half-off beer, so – me and some of the people I just happened to meet that weekend, um, yeah, got a bunch of pictures and it was, it was a fun time. They had the I was a little concerned at first because I wasn't sure. Some bars don't do it, where they play the volume of the speakers or of the TV through the speakers. Oh, okay, because like over they, what would normally be like music or something. Yeah, because at first, like they had music playing all the way up until like, um, the singing of the national anthem. I was like, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're going to change it, but they did. Um, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, enjoyed I would be it. pretty pissed if they weren't playing the audio of the game. <laughs> right. But I enjoyed the game. I think the game was pretty exciting, at least through the first uh, three quarters. Yeah, it was um, a great game. I was I was rooting for the 49ers, but... Nice. That yeah, we were, we were at a 49ers party. Mm-hmm. Um, with some good friends of ours, we actually like also merged two friend groups over the weekend, which is pretty cool. You know, you kind of have these like disparate cells of friends, and we brought two together. That was pretty fun. Sometimes it could be dangerous. Um, yeah, sometimes it's not the best results. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but yeah, they are like rabid Niners fans, so like every like positive play or first down, it was like so much energy and passion. It was like celebrating a touchdown. It was. It was pretty fun to like, kind of be, feel like an adopted 49ers fan and like celebrate with them. So, right. Um, but it was also the day before my birthday, so we did almost like a mini birthday celebration, and I got a little out of hand, and the fourth quarter is a little fuzzy for me. I think I might have made a bit of a fool of myself professing my love for Andy Reid once the game was over. Nice. Um, <laughs> all around it was pretty good. Like, uh, it was a competitive. Uh, it was it was fun to watch and of course enjoy the Super Bowl commercials um, which might be might be a good segue into our, our segment on which of the Super Bowl commercials uh, we liked we didn't like and which ones were just like either really bad really good um, yeah and I think it's I feel like now the important thing to remember is about Super Bowl commercials is that you have to kind of grade them on a curve. It seems like it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to make a truly good one right now. Things are just kind of like just like the social environments and the political um, things that are happening. It's things are like either too broken and screwy, and everyone kind of wants to be like weird and offbeat. 
but like broad yeah, enough everyone's for trying general to kind of like make a distinction and like separate themselves to who can be like the weirdest or i don't know uh, it, it feels like an impossible task to create like a truly unique or like mm -hmm. standout Super Bowl commercial yeah so obviously we're not going to and there's no way that we're going to discuss all of them so what we decided to do was pretty much pull some of the highlights and I guess low lights and I have some very, very low lights as well. Um, but yeah, kind of put together, like you said earlier, like a good, bad and the ugly list of this year's crop of Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. So to start us off my good out of the good, bad and the ugly, I'd have to say the rocket mortgage, Jason Momo Super Bowl commercial was pretty good. I think on the scale of like, the valley of the uncanny mm -hmm. it, it was like really unsettling but just like totally hilarious to have this kind of antithesis of what jason momoa like kind of represents and what he is physically mm -hmm. um you know like taking off his like he, he's got like you know, this like weird skinny jason momoa trying to bench lift or bench press like a 45 pound barbell yeah uh, I, I i just think that was like pretty pretty solid all around it was a good 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 laugh yeah, skinny Momo Momoa is what I labeled it in my notes. <laughs> yeah. For me, one of my goods was um, it was an avocados from Mexico shopping network ad. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the, this commercial isn't anything like super special, but I just like the idea that there's a Super Bowl ad for like an individual fruit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like I don't know when I was watching it, I was just hilarious i was thinking like you know what if we had other things like this um like be like if milk had a super bowl commercial yeah or like a multi-part about i thought about like pairs where <laughs> the two pairs are like played by like michael jordan and zendaya and they're just like sitting on a couch watching fake commercials for other fruits and i don't know <laughs> super meta yeah it, it it's weird but like i said it was cool and i i enjoyed avocados and they always yeah. kind of make fun commercials the yeah so i i definitely remember that one that one kind of slipped um through my kind of net but the uh the other good one that i had was the baby nut planners commercial um mainly just from like from like a marketing standpoint they very like it was a really smart move to like recognize the kind of landscape where baby Yoda just like blew up over the past few months with, you know, the, the release of the Mandalorian on Disney plus. And, uh, I had, hadn't seen it during the build up to the Super Bowl, but apparently there had been a commercial where like the planter peanut mascot had been like killed. And so it was one of those like ads that, mm. um, kind of like fed into, one that ended up like culminating in this like moment where you know twitter basically blew up at the cuteness of baby nut so i thought just from a marketing standpoint they they really played their cards right there mm -hmm. yeah my other one was um these like i don't know if you had them but it seemed like where i was there was a lot of these local commercials by personal like injury lawyers <laughs> yeah no we had we had a couple of those 
And it seems like the best Super Bowl commercials every year are like the local ones that like run in regional markets only. And it's like it, it's because they're only like the ones having like a real fun. Like they don't really care. It yeah. seems like they're just kind they're of just like, happy to have the like <laughs> impression of a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. So I think the one I saw was like Daryl the Hammer Isaacs, who was like a space hero and he was like rescuing like these injured astronauts. I don't know. It was fun, but moving on to what we thought maybe were the bad of the Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. I don't know what you thought of this one, but there was like a, like a replay of the Jake from state farm commercial. Did you also, I saw the first part of that and I was like, Oh, this is just that original one that I tuned out. Yeah, so it essentially was the original one, but they just like put in a new Jake from State Farm, and he was like this like African American guy in like a more modern looking office space. But like I don't think they actually like changed the commercial at all. That one just kind of confused me. Um, hmm. but I also didn't really like like the with Jonah Hill and Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. the like Coca Cola energy commercial. Yeah, like Martin Scorsese's out at like. A- because um, I, I just like didn't really see the connection between the two of them. I guess Jonah Hill was in Wolf of Wall Street, which Scorsese directed, but I don't know. I think it was just kind of bland. And like, well, while there are so many companies competing to like stand out, this one was just it was boring. Yeah, I saw that one, and I, I just couldn't figure out why Jonah Hill just won't go to the party with Martin Scorsese. Yeah, wouldn't Martin Scorsese be the one like at home? being the homebody right it's like old dude for me i um i actually have so i have tom brady's big announcement hulu commercial in the bad Hmm. and i almost put this one in the good category just because of how it how mad it made so many people (laughs) um so background for those like quickly that maybe aren't following tom brady who is allegedly like considering retirement posted a cryptic photo on his instagram last week and half of the people who saw it were like saying that it's over the other half were saying that it's definitely for some like dumb marketing campaign and then it definitely like proved to be the second thing and both groups seemed to like really hate it and i don't maybe it was just like where i was and maybe like the new york environment um, I don't think Tom Brady's like the most loved in, in the New York scene because they took two Super Bowls from him. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it was it was a wonderful experience um, or for me. Um, and I just kind of like like watching chaos kind of erupt and watching the room just kind of engulf in flames. And <laughs> Sure. It wasn't great. But it also um, wasn't that good either. And like I said, it just it was more for how it made me feel and how it made everyone else in the room feel, and that made me laugh. Interesting. Yeah. And then I, before this ad came out, um, I, I think I've seen a few before that I really liked, um, but maybe I was just tired of it, was the TurboTax commercial where like the dancing one i'm trying to think of which one you're talking about they're all like 
bouncing up and down, like bending their knees. Oh yes, yeah, that one was strange. I just I don't yeah. like it. I don't I don't really like the dancing. I don't really understand what its purpose was. <laughs> yeah, it was really bizarre. But, hmm. Yeah, I, another one that I think most people actually liked that the more I kind of thought about it and mulled over it, I I ended up not really liking was the Google commercial where like the old man was basically like asking his Google assistant to like bring up old photos of him and his wife and it was supposed to kind of like be this nostalgic like tugging at the heartstrings kind of commercial but like at the heart of its message is like the fact that google is just like listening to everything you say and at the same time being kind of ambiguous about their relationship with like advertisers and what they do with your data uh-huh. you know um i think you know like the commercial it's like message was positive and like you put like two old like like an older couple on the screen and people are gonna evoke like an emotional reaction but i yeah i just like couldn't something felt a little icky about yeah well for me that kind of ties into my my ugly option i really only just have one that i didn't really care for at all that i wanted to bring up was um and you've seen these a million times. This was a Verizon commercial. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the amazing things 5G won't do. And it's like these commercials that they're the ones that are barely tied to the product in question in any way. Mm-hmm. And then choosing instead to like they wrap themselves in like the American flag and like make this transparent attempt to like win public support. Yeah. By like reminding everyone about the person sacrifice made by like either veterans or like public servants. And I think that's what that Verizon ad was. Totally. It's just like, what does this have? To, there's nothing to do with like Verizon or like my, my phone bill. Like it the, almost like it makes you think it's like insulting to the intelligence of football fans. It's like, how, how dumb do they think we really are? You know, because like, obviously they're, they're catering to like a target audience that they think just like, Hey, flash like an American flag and like beer. And they're going to be like all in it's like right. football fans. Yeah. It's like, don't like, you can kind of tell like the, it's kind of like grimy for a company to like try to make their Super Bowl ad, like as touching as it can be or like, yeah. Attempts to when be. it's ultimately about like selling you a cell phone or like a data right exactly so. yeah well i guess transitioning into my i think it was more like a theme and like a couple commercials that kind of fit into this bill was the kind of like ad nauseum political commercials um, oh yeah because it occurred to me we're you know we're obviously in an election year and of course, people are going to choose like the biggest platform in a really kind of div- the country seems, I guess, pretty divided more so than most of the time. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just because we're presently living it. But it was just such a bummer to see all these like some some of them were kind of divisive. But just to see people like for this like upcoming presidential election was uh, it didn't feel great. Um, and there was one like Trump commercial. I mean, like regardless of your politics or even my own politics, 
it it was almost similar to those Verizon commercials where it's like you can tell like how stupid did they think we are. It's like um, the one where the lady Trump like freed like a black lady from prison or something. Um, and it just felt to me like they were like, or there was one Trump commercial. Um, they were talking about like unity and like inclusion and they like flash like a picture um barack obama getting inaugurated and it's just like really hard to listen to messages about like unity and inclusion from one of the most like toxic and divisive public figures in modern day you know right. and it's you know it's not necessarily a stance against any of his politics that's just that's what it mm -hmm. no i get it so that was yeah so um for our next topic did you want to get into the meat of things or did you want to did you have something else you wanted to talk about no totally so um you and i both recently saw guy ritchie's the gentleman mm -hmm. uh, we're both big fans of guy ritchie um this one starred it had pretty incredible cast so it had matthew mcconaughey charlie hunnam hugh um, and a cast of other characters. Uh, Colin Farrell is, of course, just kind of a guy regular of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, and it was basically about Matthew McConaughey's character, who's this American, um, like, cannabis king in the United Kingdom, you know, getting older and winding up the business. And as that news spreads, how all of these different parties kind of try to get uh, a stake in the game and, like, drive down the price of his business for their own advantage. Um, so what, what, what do you think of the movie, Kyle? So kind of just, um, briefly, I guess I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was entertaining. Um, we are both, mm -hmm. I would say pretty good or pretty big, um, Guy Ritchie fans. Um, we watched Lock, Talk, Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, um, a lot. We watched, we've seen Snatch a lot. He had like some few things that really didn't work out, like, man from uncle which he makes a nod to in this movie and um he did disney's live action aladdin movie which um wasn't the best in my eyes but he definitely like makes his return to like these funny gangster flicks which i think he definitely like he cuts his teeth in and totally. um it was super like clever to pretty much like have this story being like told from this like third person kind of mm -hmm. script because because um the i guess hugh grant's character fletcher is pretty much telling the story to mickey who is played by matthew mcconaughey's right hand man and he's pretty much like spinning this in like a plot for a movie that he's trying to pitch Right. And like you're watching a watching a movie so it kind of gets into that. But um to be honest, I had no idea <laughs> what was going on for like the first like probably half hour of the movie. Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I, it it was definitely kind of hard to follow in the beginning and it was a bit while the whole movie was I guess I would say 
characteristically like quick and witty like most of guy Ritchie's work is mm -hmm. the beginning really like dragged for me and there was kind of a moment where i was like oh no like i hadn't really seen anything about the movie coming out where i was like man this is gonna be a bad movie especially when the first scene is like a matthew mcconaughey monologue mm -hmm. you're just like and, and like we gotta talk about how bad of an actor matthew mcconaughey is um but yeah there, there was definitely a moment where i thought it could have taken a turn for the worst um but what i i liked is that they established this kind of dynamic where you're not really sure whether you can trust the events that are going on on the screen or what actually occurred right um and i think that that made for a pretty interesting dynamic and i just like the overall motif that kind of ran through it of this like obsession with like entertainment and like the embellishment of facts and things like that so i, I thought it made it like a really entertaining mm -hmm. yeah and i think that um like you said the the characters and the and the um the cast were really well done um i don't think i had really an issue with any of the the players on the screen i think mm -hmm. that um like you said matthew mcconaughey i i enjoy him on screen i i think he's a fine a fine actor um but yeah there just was something kind of off about his role i think that he just might have been the most available person for this role um because usually you kind of get a sense for why someone was cast in a certain role yeah and with like you know like i said i enjoy matthew mcconaughey but i wasn't really sure why maybe richie decided to go with him for this mm -hmm. role um well i'm not sure yeah, so I mean, I made the point about Matthew McConaughey as a whole, on a whole as like an actor, mm -hmm. but I think the casting choice was actually pretty spot on. Like, just this American, like laid back cowboy, like pot growing, pot smoking, like kind of kingpin. And I don't think, I think throughout the course of the film, they really asked him to do too much, like super serious acting. So I feel like it was a pretty typecast like role for him, and I think he he fit it it pretty well but there are moments where he you know matthew mcconaughey does uh, uh, there's just something missing yeah and i think he works well enough as like the central pillar i guess but it seems like hugh grant and charlie hunnam are like the real stars of the movie mm -hmm. and like they're certainly having to deliver much of the story beats in a way that definitely has to be both like pretty engaging and understandable and i think that the two actors play off each other really well um and like you kind of like hugh grant playing like this kind of like hilarious kind of like <laughs> slimy and a bit racist like guy and um charlie hunnam's like playing kind of, kind of paparazzi investigative reporter figure yeah and you have like charlie hunnam playing flat or playing raymond who's like kind of calm and like commanding and um the rest of the cast is pretty similarly entertaining, especially Colin Farrell. And seemingly, like, Charlie Hunnam's character was also the one that was, like, the most, I don't know, like, just or the most, like, good at heart, even though he was this kind of consigliere for Matthew McConaughey's character, Mickey, his, like, drug empire. Like, you, you almost saw, like, Charlie Hunnam's character was basically the protagonist in right. the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... I think that 
ultimately, The Gentleman won't be for everyone, much like most movies are. But I think those that really enjoy like Guy Ritchie's particular style will find plenty to enjoy. And I do think that the there's a lot of like explicit and implicit like sexism and and racism. I think that will yeah be a turnoff to some viewers. And I think some of the films like cliches that were kind of like thrown around um, could be like seen a little bit like stale. Yeah. Whether it's about like Judaism mm-hmm. or, you know, like the upper class in England, but yeah, there were definitely a, d- a bunch of kind of maybe ungrounded stereotypes that were thrown around, but that I feel like is like a reflection of the character that the story is based around, you know, mm-hmm. like, Guy Ritchie writing sort of a reflection of this kind of lifestyle in England that, you know, presumably that there is some truth to that he's basing it around. Yeah. And I think it's definitely clever humor, which I always appreciate. I don't really like kind of like the backhanded, like tongue in cheek style. Um, It was clever. And there's plenty of like pretty cool action scenes as well. Yeah. Like I, I think the real, like, the really mark of this movie being as good as I thought it was and as entertaining as it was, was the fact that, um, you know, like both Shannon and I really enjoyed it. And this was, uh, you know, I've been trying to get her to watch snatch and locked stock into smoking barrels occasionally during a relationship, but I wasn't, you know, she's never really had like a litmus test for Guy Ritchie's style and the kind of um, quick witty humor of these sort of like British action threat, like crime thrillers. And I was, I think we're both pleasantly surprised at like not only the amount of action, the comedy, um, and just kind of the, uh, not like confusing, but, um, the, the plot was, was kind of difficult to follow throughout the film, but like Mm -hmm. had a pretty satisfying arc. Um, and just all like all around was a pretty easy movie to watch. Yeah. And I think with such a complicated plot, and you might want to go see um, the movie again. And I think thankfully it's fun and entertaining Mm. enough to make like those future trips to the theater, like pretty well worth it. Like if you were confused or you maybe missed a few notes here and there, you can definitely go back and watch it and not like have to worry about sitting through another drag for almost two hours. Totally. Yeah. And like, I, I didn't even like completely understand <laughs> the <laughs> <Right>. ending, <laughs> to be honest. But I still walked away being like, "Man, that was good. Like, it was satisfying, you know." Yeah. So, if you haven't seen it, go see the gentleman. It's playing now, pretty much everywhere. Um, and definitely let us know what you thought of the movie. You can reach out to us through the anchor messaging system or on Twitter mm-hmm. at Coast Podcast. Um, but moving on to movies that may not necessarily warrant or you may not want to go see a second time is uncut gems. So we talked about uncut gems a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it again when it was snubbed at the Oscars and now a third time on our show. Um, uncut gems is releasing an extended edition this weekend, which wow. is coming oh. up. Um, so and is that being released in theaters or is that just streaming? Like, how is that being yeah, released? Yeah, it's going to be in theaters. Mm-hmm. I think they're removing. So if you haven't seen Uncut Gems, I don't think you'll have the option to see the 
shorter version, I think they're kind of replacing this version with the one that's already out. From almost like a cat's cat's esque bait and switch, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here's a totally different version of the movie. Yeah, so there's not a lot of um, insight of like what is extended about it. Like, is it at the end, like an alternate ending? Is it yeah something in the middle? But all we know is that it has this extra 19 minutes. And hmm. to me, I found Uncut Gems to be pretty perfect in its execution. And we talked about this before. And it doesn't feel like, to me, anything needs to be added. But I really enjoyed the movie, so I'm definitely interested to see if it's, like, longer cuts of certain scenes or, like I said, maybe some extra scenes added here and there. But what do you think? Do you think you could handle an extra 19 more minutes of anxiety? Sure. I mean, the the original was definitely chaotic as it was. Um, and I think for the most part, it was told in a pretty tight timeline of like what would have been like the real life events. I think it was told over the course of maybe like three or four days. Um, so 20 minutes to me seems like a lot on top of what was already like uncut gems as on its own. The original version was already pretty long. Um, you know, I really enjoyed it. It's probably not a movie I would have watched again anyways, um, just because of its kind of anxiety-inducing, chaotic nature. Um, but, I mean, like, it, 20 minutes is a lot in movie time, and I feel like it necessitates, like, as a movie fan, sort of necessitates another watch. Yeah, and I don't think adding it would would hurt the movie i don't think it would even help the movie um at this point i'm not sure the timing's a little weird i don't know if they decided to release this after they were snubbed like hey this we have more to this yeah that's a thought that occurred to me too like is this like a desperation move to like re-garner like some attention or what what exactly is going on here yeah so i'm not really sure there wasn't like i said there's not a lot going around um i think one of the safety brothers they just released like a twitter clip and it's like a q a with adam sandler filmed in a restaurant and they kind of like talk about an extended edition coming out but yeah to me like i said i i don't think i, I would watch it if i could just watch it in the comfort of my own home but i'm not going to go to the theater again to watch yeah. two the thing like hours seems, seems to make the most sense for me is like maybe they thought they had a better chance for award season without this 20 minutes and now that they like you know the award season didn't produce what they wanted they're like uh might as well just like release the other 20 minutes we were gonna include you know mm-hmm. and yeah. just kind of like why not nothing to lose yeah so there you go if you really enjoyed that knock yourself out go have exactly another panic attack if you had one the first time <laughs> yeah uh so for listeners of the podcast you guys know that we love our video games um i know there was a few a stretch of a few weeks where we weren't really talking about games um but there's been kind of a common theme during that time uh that me and kyle thought we might just you know kind of do a little back and forth on and that's kyle's attempt to make his way out of the quagmire that is uh silver rank in counter-strike global offensive 
Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with this game, it's a first-person shooter that's most popularly played in its competitive matchmaking, uh, where you're basically playing against other players of similar competitive status um, in, in an attempt to kind of climb these like ranking leaderboards with silver being the lower end of the spectrum. Um, but Kyle, you, you want to like touch on a bit of your experience when trying to work your way out of this almost like quicksand of uh, what is silver two? <laughs> yeah. So where do I start? Um, broadly, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, or how we shorten it to CSGO, has one of the worst ranking systems ever. Yeah, um, it, it does. It's... It, so it's it's they say it's MMR based, which is matchmaking rank, and the the system they use again it, it's absolute trash. Um, yeah, like you win a game, here's some MMR. You lose a game, we're taking MMR. When when you get put into a match, you're a match with people who have similar MMR, which doesn't matter at all because some of those people could be completely trash at the game which makes you lose and then you lose more MMR. Totally. So and to my knowledge they're they're like inner workings of what exactly the MMR um like ranking system isn't like publicly available. Correct. So there's not really like a lot of transparency into how you're progressing. And I, I mean there are experiences that I've had where you like you win four straight you don't rank you like tie one or like lose one and you rank down and you're like what like how is this being is it like on a delay w what are the calculations is it based entirely on wins and losses is there any like degree of factoring in your like adr or your kills um what do you like what do you think is uh what do you think is afflicting you at the moment <laughs> i think there's just it's certainly i mean it could be performance based i don't perform the best mm -hmm. but well, I think but we, we win average at, at your rank. Yeah, and I think that as a win percentage, my win percentage is certainly higher because we win quite often. I certainly yeah. say we win more than we lose. Um, and one like common, you know, best practice to try to get you know improve your rank is to play with people you know, and you know in that way you're improving your communication. You're playing with people whose skill you understand, who you know aren't like throwing games or who are taking it seriously. And we have a group of four where at most we have one random person with us. Um, and, and I know that you, you do that, but to me, like <laughs> this like competitive ranking system, it's like <laughs> the lower you go, it, it's like, it's definitely like a quicksand analogy. It's like the more you get sucked into the lower ranks, the harder it is to like claw your way out. And cause it's, yeah. if you're like playing by yourself, you're going to be playing with people who either like aren't taking it seriously or will like quit halfway through. So it's just, it's like trying to get the monkey off your back while more monkeys are piling on. And I don't know the numbers for the ranks, but it could be how I rationalize it is maybe there's just so many players that are in those lower silver tiers mm -hmm. that we may not know about is that it just takes a while to climb that ladder like yeah yeah i could have a low rank but i'm also tied maybe i'm one game away from ranking up but so are 500 other people you're at like the bottom of the 
pyramid of yeah so that could be it um yeah and then like it's just just get over that hump and then and then you kind of accelerate from there um, sure but i i've read online that people are having more success ranking up if they just create because csgo is free now they just create mm-hmm. another account play like their 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 placement matches and they're like automatically and like silver elite and they like can just like climb quickly from there because so i've only been playing this game for about a year you have had much more experience along with the rest of our kind of core group um so like my placement matches i wasn't used to the game or like good at it in any way but if i were to go back and make an account and do placement matches like i'd feel pretty good about where i'd end up yeah so in, like a, if... a competitive mm-hmm. ranking yeah and so i don't know if it's like my all of the time that I have in the game. I, I mean, I've had it for over five years and mm-hmm. a few hundred hours. I don't know if there's just so much data maybe in my matchmaking <laughs> rank. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Who but, knows? I mean, they don't make anything publicly available. Yeah. So what I think it, what valve needs to do with CSGO is to remake the ranking and matchmaking system to obviously mm-hmm. a much better system. I think a performance and, and karma based system um, with promotion matches would be pretty good and and what I mean by that is the better you perform in the game the more MMR you gain when you win and the less MMR you lose when you do lose yeah and it's like ELO and like a face it match yeah and then when you report someone their karma goes down and yeah. when you commend someone similar to overwatch their karma goes up so sure. you then get matched with people who have similar MMR and similar karma to you and, and your teammates. So for the MMR, once your MMR reaches a certain amount, you get put into a promotion game. And, mm-hmm. and this promotion game puts you with and against people the same rank as you and, and higher, of course. And winning that game will promote you automatically to the next rank. I mean, I love it. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, what are they doing at, like, CSGO's, like, development? Like, whoever develops CSGO, yeah. what are they doing at the office? So, like, you guys have been working on Battle Pass for a year and you can't fix, fix like, <laughs> competitive ranking? Yeah, it's just, it needs more transparency. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think another thing that would maybe allow to be a bit more forgiving for CSGO players is the bot, like, the bot system. Um, because if you are playing in these lower ranks, you're more likely to probably encounter someone who's going to like rage quit or who's going to like disconnect because they have a bad PC or something. And with the way the bots work currently, like it, you made this comment the other day during one of our matches that I think was pretty spot on is that like the bots should work for your team, not against them. Mm-hmm. Um, cause at the moment they just like, they sprint straight at the enemies unless you control them. They're also like very hard to control sometimes. Um, thankfully you can like grab bomb from them if they have bomb but like you should be able to ask for buys from bots which you're not able to do right when you know like a bot has like twelve thousand dollars and it buys like a a negev or like a shotgun or something um like there's got to be some sort of interface with the bot that allows you to kind of make them act like a member of your team a detriment and it seems like from just what i've been seeing online is that Valve and CSGO, they make these map changes and they make gun changes to mm-hmm. kind of help the competitive scene, like with the pros. So they're listening to the pros. They're listening to how to inc- 
increase their gameplay, but they're kind of forgetting about the casual players like us. Yes. Who are like trying to play this game for fun. And it's certainly not fun how it's set up now. Like, yeah, it's fun when you win some, but just in an instant, your whole mood can just be flipped around and it's just destroyed. And I think games that I get the most enjoyment out of, especially from a competitive standpoint, is ones that have that transparency for ranking up. Call of Duty, Overwatch, yep. Apex, mm-hmm. even Fortnite. You see where you are. <laughs> you see how much like ELO you have. Like, okay, I have 800. All I have to do, you know, if I win this game, I'll get 15 points, and that will yep. get me over to level 2 or whatever. So, like, you can yep. see your progression. And for me, that's certainly more fun. More fun. Even though I'm losing, I'd be like, man, I just lost that. But, you know, if I get two more wins – then and I'm ranking up and the fun of it is ranking up. So I haven't ranked up in months. I've only ranked down. <laughs> We're going to get you there, buddy. I promise you. <laughs> I got you. And then once I get there, I'm not playing. I was going to switch the face up. Retire when you're from the top, when you're on the top, right? Yeah. So if, if you're struggling with counter-strike, know that there's at least two other people with you. Totally. Um, so kind of to wrap things up, again, we appreciate the, the listener mail that we get. Um, it's certainly funny. I And we can't always include everything, but we do encourage you to send what you have, um, your thoughts, questions for us. Uh, we enjoy them. So we have two for you this week. Um, the first one is from, uh, looks like a Paul. And again, you can send us these messages through anchor there's a text option and a voice option if you are brave enough to the voice one we will play your voice live with us on air and we'll answer your question there Um, otherwise you can just tweet at us at coast podcast Um, you don't have to use hashtag Our, our direct messages are open so we'll see them there so paul says um i have to travel a lot for work a few weeks ago, I flew into the Charlotte airport, and it got me thinking that Charlotte Airport would be a great fake name. <laughs> uh, I spent the entire time there thinking about what kind of person Charlotte Airport would be. If anyone can relate, I figure it's you. And and Paul, thank you. I think that some inspiration came from my uh, Mitch Casino uh, <laughs> movie thing that I, I shared, and I kind of... Sure, yeah. they kind of like these like weird fake names, and um, it's funny, Paul. And I, I said I'm I'm certainly with you, and it was funny because the other day, um, I was driving down the road to work, and once you kind of wire your brain to see these things, you can never really undo it. And I pretty much like almost crashed my car because I saw <laughs> I saw I saw a shoe store. Um, it was called Bernard Shoes, and. <laughs> <laughs> and I pretty much like I wanted to swerve into the parking lot to get a picture of the sign, um, and add it to your list of alias names. Yeah, like, could you imagine a, a shoe store owner called Mister mm. Bernard Shoes? <laughs> Mister Bernard Shoes. Oh, yeah. So, um, have you have you traveled to the Charlotte Airport pretty often? Um. So I would travel to Charlotte when. So before I moved to Richmond, I was living in Florida. And a lot of the connecting flights were through Charlotte to Norfolk, Virginia Beach, where my parents live. Yeah. So that's I, my I had experience. a lot of those connections. 
flights too coming home from University of Arizona. It seems like um, Charlotte and like Atlanta are like the two bigger, the like, really common southeastern ones, southeastern hubs of the United States. Yeah, in terms of like what kind of person the Charlotte airport <laughs> or who Charlotte uh-huh. airport would be, um, you, I think like it would have to sort of be an extension of what is in the airport. Um, and if you've been to Charlotte airport, it has like literally everything. Um, like I, I recall always going to like Popeyes to get their like breakfast biscuits and stuff. Um, they have tons of like restaurants and shops and like the mezzanine is really nice. It's also just like really easy to navigate. So she's a slut. So that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's got everything. <laughs> she's got everything in her. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I don't know. I just like. I just picture like a late thirties who, cause I feel like hipsters have this, like they pride themselves on like a breadth of experiences and like different interests and things like that. And that that's kind of how like the Charlotte um, strikes me. So she probably wears like lots of flannels. Mm-hmm. Um, she's probably got like some thick framed glasses, um, really enjoys like, microbreweries and Bruce Rome like home kombucha yeah you know so that's that's what I I get when I think of who Charlotte Airport would be yeah I haven't really ran into too many people named Charlotte in my life I don't I can't think of one actually <laughs> any um, airports <laughs> <laughs> no no miss airports either but to me like you said like Charlotte she would be like kind of on the hipster side she kind of like prides herself in having more of like an older fashion name. Yeah. Um, and I think that Charlotte airport and Bernard shoes should start dating. <laughs> I think where does Mitch casino fall into the <laughs> whole love triangle? Yeah. So Charlotte airport was in a relationship with Mitch. She couldn't handle the lies. The, the, um, the all the deceiving that he was giving her um so she decided to finally take a chance on bernard shoes the um kind of quiet (laughs) guy that also volunteers with her at the local anaverin garden store (laughs) i love it so power couple bernard shoes charlotte airport thanks paul i hope that answered your question (laughs) um (laughs) moving on to matthew uh for the next one um not sure if this is our matthew there's no last name but it says you can green light a limited series which is one season eight to ten episodes about any event from history from the dawn of time until today what do you choose? What channel is it on? And who stars in it? So. <laughs> I might need a second to think about this one. So for me, the I thought this was um, not easy, but for some reason, the first thing that popped into my mind mm-hmm. was a season of American Crime Story about Watergate and and John Travolta plays Richard Nixon. Hmm. Um, I don't know why, but throughout like schooling, I always was like super, like endlessly fascinated 
by Watergate and just like how it even happened and what it kind of meant to like the political scene of the United States at the time. Um, and I also listened to this other podcast called Slow Burn and they kind of like shared some insight on like Watergate and it was really cool. And I also think that seeing John Travolta star as Richard Nixon would kind of be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Matthew, that's going to be mine. My decision to green light. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the like limited series, um, kind of structure. Uh, I think like, like bodyguard is one of those ones that really stands out to me is one I really enjoyed. And I think it's kind of a nice change of pace from like the really drawn out multi-season, uh, like dramas, but I, I also kind of gravitate towards the true crime theme. I know um, there was like a, a previous listener mail where we had, I think one of my suggestions, um, basically like having like a true crime like heist story where like each season is a different heist. Um, but yeah, the the event in history that popped into my head because I was thinking of true crime was the death of Natalie Wood. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you remember who Natalie Wood was, but she was, she started as Maria in West side story and she, um, basically like drowned at a, young, um, and there was kind of some speculation about the involvement of her spouse in her murder. Um, and Christopher Walken was also like kind of loosely connected. I think he was like on the boat that, she like um like fell from or like died it was like a friend of her husband robert wagner and i just thought it would like would be funny to have like christopher walken if i mean i doubt he would ever agree to it but like kind of like reprise his role and like play himself mm -hmm. um because like who doesn't love christopher walken but right. yeah i don't know exactly like who would be who would be starring in it i would just say maybe it'd be on like hbo just you know from the quality of hbo's productions yeah that'd be pretty good yeah well cool so yeah thanks again for sharing um your questions and hypotheticals with us we will probably be back um next week well i hope we're back next week yeah we'll be next back next week obviously this sunday is going to be the academy awards yes um mm -hmm. so we will likely have a lot to say about that Kyle and I will be both be watching on Sunday um, and we'll tune in to you guys with our updates on next week's. Yep. So as always, thanks for listening. Um, share, leave a comment, leave a rating that helps us definitely with the algorithm algorithms that Spotify and, and Apple podcasts have share it with someone that seems to be the best way that we can grow. Um, you know, just, Click share if you see it on Facebook or Twitter. Um, it really helps us out. If you think someone would be also be interested in what we have to say, again, share it with them. And for that, that's going to be the end of this episode, and we'll talk to you next week. And hopefully Kyle will be a Solar 3. Yes, hopefully. <laughs>